these families and the billions they've made. Hey, Bruce, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure, Sean. How are you today? Yeah, fantastic. Whereabouts in the world are you? I'm in lovely Staten Island, one of the five boroughs of New York City. Oh, wow. And what got you into this line of work? Ah, well, I uh, decided to write a book. And then my publisher said, hey, you've got a good voice. Will you help me with a podcast? And then I also started creating artwork for him. And then I heard him refer to me as his. And then he started sending me checks, which was nice to, to work for him. <laughs> Then he called me his marketing director, and uh, it just tumbles forward from there. And I do a couple other things, you know. You do have a fantastic voice. I concur with that. And what about getting into these false flag events then? What led you to them? In 2004, I saw someone on stage at a business weekend teach us that 9-11 was an inside job. I had never conceived and I, I tracked him down the next day and tagged along to lunch and interrogated him. And when I got back home, that was out of town. I got back home, I started looking into it and very quickly found uh, the new Pearl Harbor by David Ray Griffin. And by then there were the documentaries, I think Loose Change and then Zeitgeist, maybe Zeitgeist was first, which has a, about 20 minutes of Loose Change. And never turned back, Sean, just kept reading and reading and reading and reading and reading. And 10 years later, I decided to craft the kind of book that I finally got published a couple of years ago. And I really was passionate about it. I, I had already been going every week. This is just a fun story. Every Wednesday night, I went to an open mic night at a divey little bar that basically just had singer-songwriters come on stage for 15 minutes or three songs, but they also let spoken word or poets. Well, I'm very comfortable on stage. I used to be an actor, and I wanted to stay comfortable. So I was already going up there every, every night talking about energy and consciousness, which was the original idea for a book I wanted to write. And I created a nice little manuscript and put it in a drawer. But when I found all these false flag kind of truths, for years, every Wednesday, I would just yell at this room, you know, this is what's really going on, blah, blah, blah. And I got a lot of positive feedback from that. I really, really did. Um, so, and then after my book came out a couple of years ago, I, I pursued getting interviewed on a number of podcasts and they kind of, like, then I was getting invited. Some, you know, I got out, my name kind of got out there. And I was interviewed a number of times on a great platform called TNTradio.live, which is a talk news platform, free speech platform. And then I asked them, what does it take to have your own show? For, so for the last three months, I have my own radio show every Saturday afternoon, New York time from four to seven at TNTradio.live. And I, you know, I interview folks because I love to learn. I love to read. I love to learn. I love to talk. It's a nice combo. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a yearning amongst the people for this knowledge, as you, you know, felt that out yourself. But the mainstream ma media constantly suppress it, especially if you get a certain amount of followers. They definitely shut you down. So, in particular, then, I mean, you know, certain things that woke me up. My worldview prior to these wake up moments. 
was completely different. It, everything just changed. Did you have like go for a, a period of wondering, whoa, everything I believe is now false? Yes. Uh, when a friend really explained to me how the Federal Reserve and the, and the American income tax is I asked a few questions. You mean this, that, and the other thing? He said, yes. And this, that, and the other thing? He said, yes. And I stood up basically to entertain the room. We were in a room full of people. I said, you mean there's really a dragon to slay? There's really a dragon to slay? And that has fueled me since around 2005, 2006. It's intolerable when I watch the mainstream news. And for the last three years with COVID, can we speak freely about COVID and shots yeah, and we, things? Yeah, we can on, on this Good. platform and on, on Rumble. Yep. Excellent. Well, well, what a what a dystopian nightmare we live in. That so many humans trust authority, roll up their sleeves, and do anything. You know, just do anything. And that's a whole that's a whole other conversation, Sean, to just contemplate. That's humanity. You know, we just we just want to go with the flow. If the government says, okay, now it's time to stop shopping at, at our Jewish friends. Okay, we'll do that. Nazi Germany. Oh, now it's time to round them up because they'll get us sick and it's for our health. Like, okay. And the modern version, oh, we just have to take these injections from these companies that have paid billions in dollars of fines for being proven criminal distributors of knowingly harmful Oh my goodness, do we have our work cut out for us? Yeah, and unknown, unknown cause is now a leading cause of death in, in major cities in Canada because <laughs> they can't acknowledge they can't acknowledge yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Died died suddenly is the new problem. <laughs> it's it's you have to laugh otherwise you go crazy. All right, so yeah. um let's go over to 9-11 first then shall we mm. what was your heads up on that because i was trading the stock market and i was watching the option trading and that was my heads up in advance or right after it yeah it was headline news about the anomalies yeah. in at yeah. the time saying that you know the put options on airlines and other companies linked to the building the trading, the average daily volume of trading just went up to spiked up to multiples of what it normally was. And on the headline news back then, they said, it's got to be terrorist insider trading. We're going to track these guys down and, and bring them to justice. And then it completely disappeared out of the news. I was yeah. like, what happened to that? And then years later, I read about it and yeah, saw where it was, it was tracked to a brokerage linked to the CIA, ex-CIA running it. And yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, it's a, that was the biggest, biggest thing till COVID. It's still worth uh, recommending folks get a good book about 9-11. Get my little book just to read the 9-11 chapter. If you have any doubts uh, about it, buildings don't fall that quickly. Even if they they burn for 48 hours, they don't fall like that. You know, um, I love pointing out the mainstream story, the official story is that the floor is pancaked on the inner core columns like albums on a spindle and stacked. The floor is pancaked and stacked. Oh, K 
decay. And when you look at the debris field that night and for the next six months, there's no, there's no rubble pile of stacked floors. 110 stories would be a rubble pile of stacked floors about 40 or 50 stories high. They're just, it's just not there. And in fact, there were holes to the basement. There were survivors in the basements who could look up and see uh, blue sky and smoke. So then the last thing to that is, well, what are you saying, Bruce? It's like, well, watch the videos a few times over and over with the sound off and ask yourself, what are you seeing? They zoom in often. They do the work for you. You can see that nothing is collapsing and pushing down on the subsequent floors. It's sequential explosions in sequence that's creating the, the illusion of descent. The buildings are being demolished in midair. So that wasn't done by a handful of guys on some planes with some box cutters. That was That's proof right there of an inside job. Hold the phone, red alert, building seven. Collapsed at 520 that afternoon. The Solomon Brothers building, World Trade Center, building seven. You know, 20 minutes after a BBC news reader, I think her name was Jane Stanley, said, well, we have a report that the Solomon Brothers building, this is at 5 p.m. she's reading this, while right over her shoulder in the background, there's the building. Somebody jumped the script. They gave her the script too soon. Nothing to see here, folks. Move along, terror, terror, terror. We've got to go invade and kill these innocent people in Afghanistan and Iraq. And, um, you know, it's just, it's mind boggling that, I, you know, I, I wrote this book and I talk about 9-11 for 20 years or more, more or less in order to equip people so they wouldn't get fooled again by some next big lie that comes along. And then we get to live to see this thing called COVID-19. And it just, it just dwarfs in magnitude 9-11 it dwarfs in magnitude what nazi germany did to europe it fulfills aldous huxley's brave new world and george orwell's 1984 we are living in this incredibly bad james bond movie and and for folks who don't see it there's no arguing there's no talking anybody into it they, if they don't see it that means they they're on a 24-hour morphine drip of the mainstream media. They're just completely brainwashed. And we just plant seeds and, and try. Well, when I was younger and more feisty, I'd blow a gasket and have, you know, hour-long debates with somebody. And I don't do that anymore. Mercifully, I got this older and more tired or wiser, <laughs> depending how you look at it. <laughs> what was the motive for 9-11? Well, there there are myriad motives, in my opinion, Sean. The 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 immediate one is to just continue the enormous cash cow that the unnecessary American military is got to create an enemy that sort of justifies the perpetuation of the existence and the investment in this unnecessary military, and to bully and extend our influence uh, in that part of the world and to further uh, to traumatize a new generation because every 10 or 15 years there are massive events like this that psychologically destroy young people so they I believe 
listen to and obey and cling to authority, big daddy government, to protect me from the ooh scary threat that you're, you know, creating and sho- you know shoving in my face. Um, and then there's monetary ones. I think you just alluded to. There was there were a lot of transactions. If I recall, let me see if I can describe this accurately. There were securities coming due that had that were related to something about the financial horrors we inflicted on Russia after the Soviet Union fell that that used funds backed by gold that were from something like the Black Eagle Trust gold from World War II that the Japanese or the Germans it's a it's a really nice thing and they had to wipe out um those brokerage firms and and then also there was a naval investigation in that wing of the Pentagon that was pursuing this the, these this fraudulent this 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 horrible financial thing that was you know set up by uh, bad bad actors in the intelligence and the and the Wall Street communities. So that accounting wing had to get whacked at the Pentagon, and it it's just culminates. But then there's esoteric stuff, you know. September 11th is a meaningful date. Uh, according to the people who really research the the psychopaths at the top you know it's the date that the pentagon was founded in 1941 and it recurs a couple of times oh my gosh there's a great book called the end is only no the most dangerous book in the world by sk bain and he tracks the numerology of september 11th the 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 airline numbers 11 and 175 and 10 and and these other factors, these other numerical values of the buildings and things like that, they they chart very nicely with Alistair Crowley's most published and prominent uh, writings about his Luciferian beliefs and uh, teachings of the power of magic with a K, which is I, I believe in connotes the casting of spells and the manipulating of minds in order to give energy to one's hidden occult, you know, subterranean secret kind of goals and missions and plans and purposes. And I'm obviously, I'm the kind of guy who kind of obsesses on the things that I find interesting and read, you know, 15, 20 books about something, um, you know, and then it gets all swirled in a confusion of, I think that's what I know. I think that's what's in my book. I think that's, you know, but, but it's, uh, it's well laid out and sourced in my in my book about the basics of 9/11, and then there's a great history of uh, the corruption in America. You know the, the forces that do control our military, that do control our media, and and our our, our finances. And um, it's a great primer. My book. It's only 175 pages, and it'll really get someone up to speed about all the things that I just you know alluded to, so that. People can look at the sources. There's 45 pages of sources in it, and then they can just say, oh, this is where Bruce draws his conclusions, or that's where he gets his claim from. And it would get someone up to speed who's just, you know, not hasn't seen or heard these things before, and yet knows, like, wow, no, no sane person would do what our presidents and prime ministers and newsreaders do and say every day. It's just not what, if life was your goal and health and happiness and equality and fairness and human rights was your goal, we wouldn't be seeing any of the stuff we're seeing. So why are we seeing it? Well, my book kind of sheds a lot of light on um, why. 
So, Bruce, what do you think of the Patriot Act? That I consider the, the coup de grace that, that really took the head off of America. I consider the assassination of President John F. Kennedy when America received a fatal wound and it took 30 years for the, for the body to fall and die and the coup de grace chopping the head off, 9-11 is the excuse, was the USA Patriot Act, concurrent with the creation of the Department of Homeland Security. And meaning because of those things, Americans don't have our constitutional rights any longer. Therefore, because we don't live under the Constitution anymore, Sean, we're not America. We pretend we are. It's all bad theater. But it really signifies the, the tombstone on the grave of America. And America exists where people self-govern, where people tell their rel- or their representatives uh, what to do, how to do it, and where the government is transparent and accountable. Almost sounds like a fairy tale now. It almost sounds like, mm-hmm. boy, Bruce, do you even think that's remotely possible anymore? I have to. I have to because, Sean, generations are coming. Waves and waves of children having children having children as challenging as it's going to be for them to emerge after all this genetic manipulation and the poisoning of blood banks and the, and the, you know, but vis-a-vis all the folks who got vaccinated and the, you know, the assaults of the uh, 5g and just the toxic environments and the toxic food. It's, we still have to, those of us who have taken a few, taken some time to think about what is nature, what is life, what's a human being, What's, what's good about being alive? What's good about this earth? We have to orient ourselves towards that and talk about it and work toward it every single day. But, um, but now America is considering this thing called the Restrict Act. I think it's also referred to as House Bill or Senate Bill 686. In the name of protecting us or shutting down TikTok, I haven't read it, but knowledgeable people have told me it's loaded with permission, they call it the Patriot Act 2.0, where the federal government would then be able to monitor deeply everything in our computers, every transaction, every, I believe also everything in our phones. And I got to do my, I got to read it. I got to, I really got to get up to speed about it. I think it's actually in deliberation right now. They may have even voted. It may have already passed this morning. And I just, I'm not up on the headlines. We'll see. Looking at some of the principal players in 9-11 then, or maybe front men, we've got the Bush crime family, we've got Dick Cheney, we've got Halliburton. What are your thoughts on them and their roles? They, they make my blood boil because I was a young man while uh, Bush Sr. rose to prominence and was vice president under Reagan and then was president in his own right. And then it was decades later that I, I studied him and those kind uh, deeply in my research for, for 9-11. And it's, it's sad and embarrassing. And it's just creepy to contemplate being that kind of a person. And there's a lot of them. You know, it's, it's the Kissingers, it's the Brzezinski's, it's, uh, and now it's, the, it's Biden. And it's just these, these, these people who I... I Try to think of them as really, really, really 
traumatized, psychologically damaged, innocent little children. And they become psychopaths. Well, we have to protect ourselves from psychopaths. But there's a, you know, there's a, I, I, I'm trying to understand, like, how does a person get like that? And I believe it's the result of trauma. Now, that's all interesting. After we've gathered the evidence, prosecuted them, convicted them, and sentenced them to, you know, mm-hmm. some punishment for their crimes. After we count for their crimes, that's when we can put our foot up, feet up in front of a fire and contemplate what makes a person do that? How does someone psychologically get to the place where blah, 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 which is interesting in its own right, because how a human mind works should it, you know, fascinates me. I don't know if it should fascinate all humans, but it's sure got the potential to. But after they've been brought to justice and, you know, the fact that they walk among us, the fact that they receive prizes, Nobel Peace Prizes, President Obama, um, when the reality is you can prove that they aided and abetted crimes if they didn't design them and actually pull the triggers, that the Bushes, the Bushes are a special, they deserve, they're a real honorable mention because they're a legacy family from uh, Skull and Bones, which is the secret society founded at Yale University in 1832 that spawned generations of people who rose to positions of power. And then they helped the next generations come into positions of power to turn America into what it is, which is, you know, it's a corporate nightmare. It's a, it's an oligarchy. It's, it's aristocracy of, of money. And, you know, the, the Bushes are, they're no friend of humanity. And yet, you know, there's too many folks who are, you know, diehard Republicans, let's say, because they thought that, oh, Bush was, was okay. So there's so many books written about them, about uh, the, how, the, father, the grandfather, Prescott Bush, was a banker on Wall Street who was involved with many companies and banking institutions that benefited Hitler, funded you know, the Bolsheviks in the early uh, Soviet Union, basically, again, creating all sides of conflicts. They get out of control, and then, great, we get to you know, balloon a big war and really, really crush them. But... My gosh, you know, in terms of fascination, folks, you know, who've never read a book about these kind of creatures, they'll never go back to Netflix if they if they discover these these fiends who walk among us. Yeah, I wrote about Prescott Bush laundering money for the Nazis and their inv- Bush family investments in the the mines at Auschwitz. These people are just beyond belief, isn't it? How psychopathic they are, cold blooded. Yeah, yeah. And and the best we can do is just, you know, drop little hints at our family gatherings, you know, with all of our, our co-workers, with folks who they just watch the mainstream news every night or it's in the car all day long. And they still think this is just, you know, conspiracy theory insanity. Okay, that's fine. You know, but I'm standing by what I've, I've seen. And, and, you know, I'd love to show someone the same evidence and then, like, respecting their right as a juror to make up their own minds, like, don't criticize my verdict if you haven't seen the evidence that I've seen. You know, why do I believe what I believe? That's that's what I like to be asked because I've seen enough to be persuaded about some of these things, and I am persuaded. Yeah, I'd like to include Tony Blair in that list as well. Um, yeah. If you look at these politicians, though, would, do you consider them just front people 
for higher powers? And if so, who who was pulling the strings for 9-11? Well, generally, I think they're front people. Generally, I think they're they are they had they developed a lust for power young and learn how to rise through hierarchies until they get elected to maybe Congress or Senate or something like that. Um, and then depending on how personally evil and Machiavellian they are, like a Dick Cheney, he was able to go from being a, a congressman to be, being the CEO of, I believe, Halliburton it was. So now he's more than, he's more than, he's not a puppet. He's, he does pull strings or he did pull strings. Maybe he's, he's old and in retirement now, most likely. Um, but today, you know, just, just Biden and, and whatever is running the United States of America, it's not Joe Biden. He is, he is so demonstrably, you know, feeble and addle-brained that, um, he's, he's another living example of rubbing in our face. Like, wow, if we think that that's in charge, you know, it, it's, it kind of convicts us as, as people to, cause subconsciously we've got to, we've got to start doubting, if not being disgusted with ourselves to think I'm putting up with that as my president, I'm I'm, I'm believing that we in our collective wisdom chose and pushed that man to the, up to the position of the presidency. And today, you know, if, you know, if anyone hasn't heard of World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab and the, uh, the, S, the SEG goals, the uh, SGD, the, you know, the Sustainable Development Goals, SDGs, Wow, there's a there's a gal on Facebook I always recommend to folks, Julianne Romanello. She posts primarily on Facebook. She's based in Oklahoma, I believe. And she's documenting the smart cities efforts and the public private partnerships that are aligning, that are that are taking the public sphere into the private sphere with the global agenda to do that, to create 15 minute cities and to create smart this and that the end goal being, you know, total digital enslavement. Um, so she's a great resource to, for folks to just see how the rubber's hitting the road. This is how it's being implemented in, in mainstream and in big cities and in, in America. And I know that similar things are happening in the UK and Canada and Australia are just, marked for destruction i see i see an intentional demolition of these countries starting with our rights but in america definitely our infrastructure and 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 really every day it's it's a fire hose of psychological warfare of the most scary stuff possible to just pound us into keeping our head down and just let me get to work let me get home let me get my booze bottle or get my my pipe or my cbd or my whatever and just leave me alone i'll do whatever you want just leave me alone and, and i want to watch sports and i want to watch netflix because the last thing i can do the average person is make sense out of what's on the news every single day it's a madhouse it's a it's an effing madhouse 
And do you think the war in Ukraine is just an extension of the military industrial complex selling its wars at the taxpayers' expense? Well, yes, and more, because it's I believe there's it's there's money laundering going on at an epic scale and the intentional uh manipulation of that situation since I believe 2014 to cue this up, to set this up, to put a big, you know, middle finger in Putin's face and to, and to lie to the West, to lie to the West. And especially, you know, how America's leadership and America's media lies to we Americans about who's the good guy and who's the bad guy over there. It accomplishes a lot, not only for the military, definitely for the military, definitely, definitely, definitely to, Oh, we've got many reasons to be very, very scared of Russia and China. So we've got to justify trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars over the years. And an examination of it just raises a lot of doubt. And, John, it's when there's just if if enough truth could come out from your show and my book and whatever else I do, just to raise a reasonable doubt in more people's minds. So we don't just green light and approve the next incursion, the next expenditure, the next slaughter, the next invasion, the next bombing, and, and maybe hold, you know, put the brakes on some of it, just on some of it, because we're speeding toward a lot of cliffs. We're speeding toward a lot of points of no return, I believe. I'm just going to read a comment then put out by Jake. Thanks, Jake. He says it's easy to, easy to complain about oligarchies and corporate influence, but we live in the healthiest, wealthiest, most advanced society the world's ever known. But couldn't we say that, yeah, it's it's the wealthiest and healthiest and the most advanced for the elites. But if you look at America, for example, as a whole, lifespans are now going down. Nearly everybody's on some kind of medication or other, which is record profits of big pharma, things like diabetes off the scale. And they spend the most on healthcare in the world, yet they've got the least healthy people. Isn't isn't that the case in America for the masses? Yes, Sean, and I'm glad you rebutted Jake with that. And I have a lot of compassion for Jake and his worldview because uh, when I was growing up, it was typically folks older than me who really, really thought that. And for years before I looked into it, I probably thought that too. But when, when some when people study the kind of things we've been talking about, there's a crisis of bad health in America, so we are far from the healthiest, and that's been for decades. Now the lifespan really is going down uh, demonstrably. I believe since COVID, but maybe it plateaued a little before that. But we are getting sicker and sicker. Those are rising, rising, rising all the time. Us getting sick. For uh, evidence of that, Jake, I refer you to childrenshealthdefense.org. Childrenshealthdefense.org. Bobby Kennedy Jr.'s platform for. Uh, truth to save our children from toxic pollutants for the last 20 years the environment plus <gasps> vaccines and uh, you might revise your uh, impression about how wealthy and happy america is no america is f- far from a wealthy country we are the, the 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 most of the vast majority of americans are paycheck to paycheck completely leveraged by debt and the national economy is a balloon far past the straining point of bursting. And there's tons of evidence to indicate either spontaneously or at a pre-planned moment, the economy will collapse. Our money will become worthless. 
there'll be real struggles for your know, food and survival all in the name of uh, trapping us with a digital currency that will come with a lot of strings attached. You know, you can buy this, that, and the other thing. If you take the mandated medicines, maybe, you know, in, in some future scenario. So, Jake, God bless you, but sorry. I disagree, and I hope I've explained why. I think Adam, it was Adam Smith, the economist, who said all great accumulations of debt end in bankruptcy. <laughs> so that might be coming as well. Uh, but we've, we've run out of time. We've only got 20 minutes or so left to go over JFK. So let's, let's move on to that, shall we? Well, that's actually perfect, Sean, because he represents nothing but hope to me. Um, as I studied his assassination, because I wanted to go back to that open mic in 2013 and talk about JFK for six or seven nights in a row, I studied his his assassination and then i delivered those talks because that his assassination is also a false flag implemented by elements of our deep state elements of uh you know the american government took out the american president and we discover kennedy's greatness when we look at well why was he killed well look what he was doing he was acting as a real president for the benefit of america trying to make real for america and for the world america's ideals he was trying to make america be the uh, what it what it what on paper it says we're supposed to try to be and what every president says we are but we're not eyes wide open he confronted forces that kill to win my chapter on jfk is the biggest chapter in my book and if you are capable of being inspired by goodness and fidelity to the truth or the idea behind the biblical verse greater love than this hath no man than he gives his life for his brother jfk's martyrdom and sacrifice is awe-inspiring it's very very humbling there's a line in a bruce springsteen song i'll show you courage you can't understand so but that also was the plot point at the end of act two that killed America. You know, in the classic three act structure, act one, act two, act three, Kennedy's assassination was the climax at the end of act two, and it sets up the end of the movie. It's the equivalent in the Wizard of Oz. So the whole movie is this confrontation between forces, right? Dorothy and the witch, Dorothy and the witch, she's struggling to get what she wants, which is a way back home. Finally, there's a confrontation with the witch, and Dorothy douses her with water and vanquishes her opponent. And then Dorothy gets to her end. Kennedy represented we the people versus the folks in the shadows, well represented by Skull and Bones and those kind of people in secret societies and the financiers who were trying to control and take over America, no matter what the people wanted. And they won in 1963 and they did it in public in order to traumatize us. Like I say, these spectacular events that just infantile us and make us, you know, wrap our arms around, uh, you know, the leg of big daddy, big mommy to protect us and his significance. It's still, and he still inspires people. Um, you know, there's tons of books, uh, shameless plug. You know, I do market, I'm the marketing director for trying day books, trying day.com. Sean, you and all your listeners can just find 
tons and tons of books about so many of these topics that are really well researched, really well documented, and it's a, it's it's really growing up. You really become an adult when when you when you really acknowledge how the world works. And you remember that scene in A Few Good Men. You can't handle the truth. We have to tell ourselves that we're adults. We can handle the truth. Show me the truth. We should pray every night and every morning. Like, show me the truth, gods, and make me big enough and strong enough to be able to handle it. Because it's it's overwhelming. You know, it's overwhelming. Um, but if you if you can be uh, inspired, reading about John F. Kennedy is a, is a great way to do it, anybody. How did it start to go wrong with Kennedy then? Who did he piss off? Well, the the direct answer is the CIA and the Pentagon in his first three months in April of 61 with the Bay of Pigs invasion where he did not just do what they told him to do. And he didn't send in the American military to back this, this floundering force. And he realized he was set up to fail. He realized the CIA and the Pentagon told him, this 1,500 guys, it's going to work. Knowing that, no, that's not going to work. Expecting that Kennedy would then have to throw in the whole military to topple Cuba, uh, Castro and take over Cuba and risk World War III with the Soviet Union. And Kennedy wasn't going to do that. And... That's that's really and also then his policy on Vietnam, because as soon as he's taken out of the picture, America's, you know, military and foreign relations, you know, completely changes. And Johnson, within a year, you know, helped create a baloney excuse, the Gulf of Tonkin incident, which did not happen as the excuse to flood Vietnam with uh, ground troops and kill between two and four million people over there. And Sean, you're going to love this. Working with Chris Milligan and helping him interview a number of his other authors, I have been exposed to the evidence that Kennedy may have been killed as a Catholic by the remnants of those who maintain the legacy of the Knights Templars into the Masons, and people can read all about that at valediction.net on the tab World Peace. There's a, or right on the front cover, there's a great article called From Jerusalem to the Holy Crusades to JFK. And talk about significance again. It was November 22nd in the 1300s when the Catholic Pope issued his order to wipe out uh, the Knights Templars. Personified by, I think, Jacques de Molay as the main guy. And the, the forces of the Templars, which was a huge organization that competed with the Catholic Church at the time, apparently has, a, has a, its devotees through the generations that, that came into the Masons and that came to America and founded America. Now, this is the psychotic wing because there's factions inside everything. You know, not all Masons are bad, but there is this higher echelon of it. That maybe, and that's why November 22nd, that's the date in 1300 that the uh, Templar was, were wiped out. So that's the day of their retribution. And so that's a big, again, we got to follow the evidence, prosecute who we can, you know, um, I'm moving around too much. So I just got blurry. Hopefully I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll hold still and the, the camera will come back into focus. It doesn't matter, but 
Um, it's a deep, it's a deep, fascinating thing. And again, it's the duplicity that you discover studying the Kennedy assassination, the duplicity of the FBI, the duplicity of the, the, the media that for decades and you know, generations we relied on. We thought they were telling us the truth. And it was the another, it was the fatal blow that separated us from our government, separated us from trusting our government. And it destroys what does it do to a people when they realize my government is lying to me about who just killed. My president, I'm flipping this down for a second to see if it resets. No, it was not a great reset. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we're gonna, you know, we're gonna we're gonna question from Jake again. Thanks, Jake. Why choose that location with JFK, the assassination location? I assume. Surely there were easier methods. Jake, you're going to love this. We just did a, a big panel discussion at Trine Day called uh, The Ignored. It's an episode of our podcast called The Journey, and it's now on YouTube. And the channel is Trine Day. It's the most recent video. I posted it, I think, just this morning or yesterday. Episode 121. The Ignored, you know, the truth about JFK. And it's a panel discussion with seven or eight authors about JFK. And Christopher Fulton is one of the authors. And he claims... And I believe him because I know his story. I know what he's been through and I know what he's experienced. So does anyone who's read his book, The Inheritance. He claims that Dealey Plaza had been developed for years as an assassination site. I got the impression just as business as usual for our intelligence services. And when the decision was made to kill Kennedy, it was used. So... That's why Dealey Plaza. Now, again, you pull back. Let's prosecute the crimes. But let's remember, it's the site of the first Masonic temple in Dallas. It's configured as a as a triangle, which is very interesting to esoteric people who, you know, study, you know, the esoteric symbolism of things like the dollar and the capstone and the pyramid and the all seeing eye and things like that. That's, that's what the streets are shaped like. They all go to that triple underpass. There's an obelisk. What's an obelisk? An obelisk is a, is a tower in Egypt, and it's shaped like the Washington Monument. And there's a big one in London. There's a big one in Washington, D.C., and there's a big one right there. So Dealey Plaza, to, to, to the esoteric analysis, is an outdoor Masonic temple, and it was a ritual sacrifice, the killing of the king in broad daylight, which has ancient history and literature and, and significance, especially in England, going back again to 1100, 1200, things like that. So these psychopaths at the top, they accomplish many, many things when they do something very, very practical, like get rid of a president that threatens their power. So Amanda has asked whether John Lennon is tied into these assassinations. I get the impression, yes. And I refer you to a book called Drugs as Weapons Against Us by John Potash. I believe he's got the best assemblage of the evidence that John Lennon was murdered on December 8th, 1980. I review in a few pages in my book all the incriminating evidence about that. So, yes, is the short answer. And we did have John on a week or two ago. So I refer people to that video as well. Hmm. So we've had Michael Francis on. He was one of the highest ranking, uh, highest earning members of the mafia capo in the Colombo crime family. Mm -hmm. 
And he talked about the role of the mafia in the assassination of JFK. And the way I've come to view it over the years is you've got all these vested interests who he's pissed off, the mafia, the CIA, military industrial complex, Texas, where he put the oil tax, um, et cetera. What, what's, what do you view as the role of the mafia in this? By 1963, I have, I'm convinced, I'm convinced, I could be wrong, that the mafia and the intelligence agencies, particularly the CIA, were, were brothers, they were partners, they did a lot of things together. So definitely um, the mafia got Jack Ruby blamed for killing Lee Harvey Oswald. Um, it's an, it, it, there's a compelling argument that the, the, the fellow we see shoot Oswald isn't Ruby. He probably is. That's a tangent. I'm sorry I even mentioned it here. Let's just say that a mafia-connected guy, Jack Ruby, killed the patsy, the man who was being blamed for the president's assassination. And the, the rest of the accusations about the mafia being more directly involved, and even many, there are many writers and articles that say they were the spearheads of it, you know, Carlos Mocello and Jimmy Hoffa, blah, 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 blah. I don't buy it. And it's because of everything that I've seen and all these people that I've talked to about what a, what a really deep intelligence uh, operation that it, that it was. And, ta- and killing a leader and toppling a government was old hat for the CIA by 1963. They had perfected that in the 1950s. So the mafia, I don't think, is prominent at all, really, in the assassination. They helped they help probably with many, many little details, but they helped. How pathetic was the official narrative? Of Kennedy's assassination? Yeah. Oh, it's it's a it's a mortification. It's such a lie. It's uh, it's it's such a insult to intelligence. It's an insult to the memory of uh, a good man, John F. Kennedy, who was killed trying to do good things for people. It's a it's a it's an abomination. And uh, people can check out Rush to Judgment by Mark Lane, the book and the old black and white documentary on on YouTube. Amazing. Have you watched any of Jim Mars's videos on it? Uh, Jim Mars, the late, great Jim Mars, I have to call him. I loved his books. I loved every interview he ever gave. I loved his personality. I never met him. Um, uh, Crossfire, The Plot to Kill, President Kennedy, uh, Rule by Secrecy, uh, The Rise of the Fourth Reich, Alien Agenda. Uh, so many great books by that man, Jim Mars, M-A-R-R-S. Yeah, I mean, I learned so much from watching the Jim Mars videos. Yeah. So you're saying there's a world where the mafia and the CIA coexist. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the CIA come in and, and have the mafia do parts of things. And then if the mafia gets caught, the, you know, they can blame it on the mafia. Is how it works? Yeah, yeah. And in that uh, panel, I just told Jake about JFK, the ignored on Trine Day, the YouTube channel. Uh, Chris Milligan, my boss, who's been studying this stuff for 50 years, his father was in the CIA and told him a few truths when Chris turned 20 and set him studying uh, conspiracy theory land, as Chris calls it. Um, one of the what came out in that panel discussion was there were lots and lots of soldier of fortune, paid mercenary assassins 
in Dealey Plaza, just on the sidewalk. It's just another way, as Chris puts it, for the intelligence agencies to put their hand on their shoulder and say, you, you know, you didn't have anything to do with Kennedy's assassination, but how are you going to explain you were there? Guys that they like to control by incriminating, setting them up. Um, and your original question about that, Sean, escapes me. I got so distracted by my own answer there. I was saying about if the mafia get caught doing something for the CIA and the book stops there, doesn't it? This was the mafia did yeah. it. They were behind it. And the CIA is not held accountable. Right. And they have, they have many people uh, doing little parts that they don't know what they're part of the whole, but it's always to have leverage over each other. And that's the good news is that all these factions, all these entities and organizations, they've got factions that are blackmailing each other. So I think a lot less happens than would because they're all trying to get the goods on each other. But as far as the mafia and intelligence relationship goes, I refer people to a brand new book by Whitney Webb called One Nation Under Blackmail, the sordid union between intelligence and organized crime that gave rise to Jeffrey Epstein, published by TryingDay.com, two volumes, encyclopedic info about these kind of things. Yeah, Whitney's great. She's been a friend of the channel for years. Did you see the deathbed confession of Hunt? Yeah, yeah, and I've met his son, um, St. John, and heard you know him describe um, from the heart, and very you know that uh, he, he told St. John as much as he could. There was a lot more that St. John would have asked him, did ask him, and never wasn't able to. But what do you make of that deathbed confession? Well, I wrote a book about Barry Seal, and there was a theory that Barry Seal was a getaway pilot for the hit team, so that you know what Hunt said tied up in with the hit team thing and the way the bullets came in as well. I mean, hmm. what, what's your perspective on how the bullets came in? Was there a triangulation? Yeah. And in my, in my book, I, I, I do a forensic kind of verbal description of the Zabruder film and then bring in the research that I did around that. I, I can count, I list in my book, you know, 13, 14, up to 17 bullets. Now, that's a lot of gunfire. Definitely 10 I can track, you know, by the eyewitness testimony all around it. This is not in the Warren Commission. That was a whitewash. They cherry-picked their little scenario. Oh, three bullets in six seconds. F you, no way. Um, it was a it was a slaughterhouse. It was definitely triangulation. It was it was um it was incredible. You know, and uh, what what stands out? You know, Jackie Kennedy's instant courage to go retrieve a part of her husband's brain—that was her instinct. How many people under gunfire just just pee and cry and collapse to the floor to protect themselves? Not Jackie Kennedy. You know, as close as as close as I am to this microphone, she sees her husband's head explode, and a piece goes onto the trunk, and she's up like a cat to go catch it. You know. Um, Ooh, I'm getting mad. Listen to that. <laughs> watch out. Watch out. We had um, a guy on called Joey Torres who served 40 years in the California penitentiary, the state, including 10 years with Saran Saran. And when he asked Saran about RFK, he said that um, he couldn't remember what he'd done, what happened, what had gone down. And because he couldn't show remorse, or, you know, say that he'd done it to the board, they were never letting him out. So yeah. how does how does that tie in to this? Oh, again, in a heartbreaking way, you know, Lisa Pease a few years ago wrote this great book called A Lie Too Big to Fail about Robert F. Kennedy's assassination and shows 
you know, how he was a victim of mind control, most likely hypnotized into position uh, and blamed for something that, you know, he doesn't remember. She shows the evidence of how he very likely was shooting blanks, that the real shooter was behind right next to Robert Kennedy. So Sirhan's in front. The real killer is happy to be next to Robert Kennedy, knowing that the diversion patsy who's going to be arrested is shooting blanks. Why else would you stand in the line of fire? Um, absolutely tragic how that 70-something-year-old man just recently was denied parole again. You know, F you, Gavin Newsom. F you, California, for, you know, you know all, all that aberration of, of justice. And um, the mainstream media lying down like wimps and not, you know, not telling the truth. And if you do tell the truth, good. You'll sacrifice a mainstream career and a mainstream income and you'll be demonized and marginalized. And let and but you can sleep with yourself at night with a with a clear conscience because you know you're not a, a rat you're not a fake you're not a phony you're not a, a pansy yeah and if people want an expanded a version of the rfk assassination watch our podcast with tim tate he's done a great job on it researched it for decades mm. bruce this has been absolutely fascinating but we've run out of time would you like to tell the viewers where they could find you online and your books and, and your socials with pleasure. And thanks for inviting me. And it was a pleasure, Sean. Go to brucetotaurus.com. That's a hub. That's my hub. You'll read reviews about the book and the link how to get it. And there'll be links to the podcast I help with Try and Day and my own radio show at tntradio.live. <laughs> well, we salute your work, my friend. Keep it up. And thank you very much for spending time with us. My pleasure. Sincerely. Cheers, Bruce. Good night, then. Good night. Bye-bye. Yeah, what a fascinating guest. Fantastic. And such a soothing voice as well. So thank you, everyone, who's been on the show tonight. Thank you, all the guests. Thank you, you guys, in the Patreon section. Thank you for all your questions. And tomorrow night, what have we got? Oh, yeah, tomorrow night, it is the um, Ryan Dawson on Andrew Tate. It's going to be on YouTube at 7 p.m., but it has already been posted to the Patreon wall if you want to watch that one in advance. And then we have got podcasts going out Friday. We've got um, Sunday. It's the Mafia one as well um, with Kevin Ma. So thanks again, everyone. Much love and respect. Cheers to Ash. Cheers to Stephen Knight. Wherever you are in the world watching this, thanks for staying up for, with us. And maybe some see some of you in the live chat tomorrow. Ryan Dawson on Andrew Tate. Thanks, Ray J, Verity, Jake, Fred, VB, Amanda, Agent Orange. Let's see anyone else. Um, Fred. Um, yeah, that's it. Thanks, everyone. Take care out there, wherever you are in the world. Cheers for watching. <laughs>